As we've heard, our reading this morning is Psalm 130. From despair to hope. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, O Lord, keep a record of sins, O Lord, who can stand? But with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord, more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Thank you, Krista, very much indeed. So I wanted to give time to what we've already done this morning, so just a a slightly shorter sermon as we come towards thinking about this psalm and the journey that is expressed in the psalm from despair to hope. We're pausing just a little bit in the sharpening of our vision and thinking of welcome, love, challenge, and grow. We don't want to let go of that. We come back a lot more to it in the autumn. But uh, for these few Sundays uh, in the summer weeks, we're kind of uh, just drifting a little bit away from those words to some of the Psalms, which fit in very well, but uh, just slightly different. This block of Psalms, there's a block of Psalms from Psalm 120 through to 134, which are sometimes called the Psalms of Ascent because they're sung by those who journeyed up to Jerusalem and to the temple for the great festivals. There are 14 of them, and and they're all grouped together in the same place in the book of the Psalms. And they're each really worthy of a sermon in their own right. And because they're particularly Psalms about a journey, I think they're particularly appropriate as we're thinking about welcome, love, challenge, and grow, journeying together as the people of God, of learning more, of discovering more of him, Uh, just as we take a pause in that particular series. I think it's good for us to think about these psalms of ascent. So there are just five of them for the next few Sunday mornings, and uh, a few others maybe for some of the evenings or other occasions. Now, go below is the fastest-growing tourist attraction attraction in North Wales, and it's all underground. Uh, Some of you, I'm sure, have been there. I know that some have been there. And the brochure for Go Below invites you to test your nerve by journeying through a mountain via a series of exciting, adventurous challenges in one of our three epic underground adventures. Try your hand at zip-lining through caverns climbing up a vertical shaft, boating across a lake, traverse over an abyss, scale a waterfall, or abseil your way down to the deepest point in the United Kingdom. It's adrenaline-pumping, heart-thumping, pulse-jumping fun, guided 
by the most fun, experienced, and qualified instructors in the country. Fancy it? There's something that, about me that makes me think, I'd really like to get to that lowest point in the UK. And it looks as if this is the way to get there. The psalm refers to a different kind of deep place. Not a physical location, but somewhere deep in your life where it's hard to believe in God. And out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. The message opens uh, this psalm with these words. The bottom has fallen out of my life. The bottom has fallen out of my life. What kind of deep place is this all about? We're not told the circumstances of this particular psalm. It's one of the blessings of so many of the psalms that they speak into many different situations because they're written as poetry rather than history. So we don't necessarily get the detail. But the Hebrew word for depth can either mean a physical or a mental anguish, but especially the awareness of being distant from God. So a dark place, a difficult place, a desert place, a lonely place, a testing place. I wonder what are the depths in the lives of people today? Jonathan Aitken read this psalm over and over again in his first night in prison. And then he went on to write a very valuable book about the whole of the psalms after his release. Others have looked at this psalm in times of bereavement or in the face of serious illness, serious for themselves or for someone close to them, times of depression or unemployment, of personal failure, of public humiliation, broken relationships, all of those things as circumstances where this psalm is especially relevant. Out of the depths, I cry to you, O God. And also those who find themselves in a spiritual darkness that's not triggered by a crisis or a difficult event coming together, but it's more that the shadow of spiritual darkness is cast over them for no apparent reason. And out of those depths, I cry to you, O God. Just pause for a moment. Maybe this morning, there is a sense in which you are in a deep place and crying out to God. And this psalm offers a journey from a deep place to a better place, from despair to hope. And it's set in the context of making the physical journey to Jerusalem and to the temple for one of the great festivals of the Old Testament, because it's one of these psalms of ascent. And so you can imagine that there would be a huge crowd of people traveling. And the main road to Jerusalem in those days was the road from Jericho. And Jericho was close to the Dead Sea, the lowest place on the earth's surface. And from Jericho to Jerusalem is quite a steep climb when you're walking it, several days to walk up to Jerusalem, up and up and up every day, constantly uphill. And then you get to Jerusalem and it's uphill again from the southern part of the city to the northern part of the city, a steep climb. 
And then you get to the temple, and it's uphill again. Steps up into the temple. The whole journey was a huge climb up. An enormous flight of steps. This is a picture just of uh, how the southern steps looks today. And uh, you can't really capture from that any sense of this huge ascent that uh, would have taken several days and would have been a steep climb. And in the Jewish mindset, there was a link between climbing up to Jerusalem and going up to God. And the songs inspired them to keep going on the journey. They sung together. It was physically challenging. And as they sung, they reminded each other of the spiritual challenges that they were facing in their lives. But the journey was also one of increasing excitement, hope and adventure. They were going to the temple for one of the great festivals of the year. And so the singing and the movement built up to a climax as they reached the temple courtyard. So in Psalm 130, we have a pilgrim who is finding the journey especially tough, whose life is in a difficult place who cries out to God from the depths. And then we see the steps that bring that person from despair to hope. Whatever your dark place, whatever your deep place this morning, there is a journey to make. And here it is. And as you make this journey, this is what God does. This is what God does. Four things in this psalm. First, God hears. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. Walter Brueggemann says of this psalm that it's a miserable cry of a nobody from nowhere. But the cry penetrates the veil of heaven. From the depths to the throne. God hears. I think it's so important not to miss this point. Does God really hear my cry to him? Yes, he does. Remember the Chris Tomlin song, You Hear Me When I Call, You Are My Morning Song, based, I think, on the words of Psalm 4 and verse 1, Answer me when I call to you, righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Have mercy and hear my prayer. Isaiah 65 and verse 24. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. It seems very obvious. And yet this is an important point. When you cry out of the depths, God hears. It may not seem as if he's hearing. You may not know that he is hearing. But the promise is crystal clear that when you cry out to God, he does hear your call. And as God hears, then we discover that God forgives. This is going through step by step through the psalm. Verse 3, if you, Lord, kept a record of sins, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness so that we can, with reverence, serve you. The God who hears 
is the God who forgives. This is sometimes described as one of the gospel psalms because it almost carries the essence of the New Testament gospel through these words. And the message of forgiveness is actually pivotal in the psalm. It's the center of the text. It's the middle part of the psalm. And the gift of grace and the gift of forgiveness comes before the call to live a life in obedience to God. The gift of forgiveness. Now we know so much more about this than was known in the time of the psalm. The writing of the psalm is also an anticipation of what was still to come. The promise of God's forgiveness is here. It's deeply embedded in the Old Testament. Around that promise in the Old Testament, there's a huge and complex sacrificial system. But what we know for sure is that the one way in which God is truly able to forgive everything that is wrong deep inside each one of us is through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's where forgiveness comes from. When Jesus, the perfect Son of God, offered his life, that was the one true moment where the perfect sacrifice was made and where forgiveness is genuinely achieved. So the God who hears is the God who also forgives through Jesus Christ. And that God who hears and forgives is the God who then comes. I wait for the Lord, verse 5. My whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than the watchmen wait for the morning. Some of you will know what it's like to be awake through the long hours of the night. And it seems like an eternity before the dawn breaks. We always long that God should answer our prayers now and come to us immediately, but it doesn't always happen like that. And sometimes we have to wait. And sometimes our patience is deeply stretched as we keep, keep waiting, keep trusting, keep praying for the fulfillment of all that God has promised. But the whole idea of this watchman illustration is that the dawn will surely come. The whole idea of a watchman is that they're looking through the hours of the night, observing what is going on around with the expectation that the dawn will come. And we trust God with that expectation that the dawn will come. Eugene Peterson writes of these words, waiting and watching is based on the conviction that God is actively involved in his creation and vigorously at work in redemption. So God has got good things for those who wait and those who trust. He comes. And the God who hears, the God who forgives, the God who comes is the God who also redeems. That hope lies in God's word and in his promises. Verses 7 and 8. Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love. With him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Hope is that confident expectation of who God is and in the fulfillment of what he's going to do. It's not a vague expectation that God might do something, but a confident certainty that he will act 
in accordance with his sovereign will. Just quoting Peterson again. Hoping does not mean nothing. It means going about your assigned tasks confident that God will provide the meaning and the conclusions. It is the opposite of desperate, panicky manipulations of scurrying and worrying. It's not the spinning of an illusion of fantasy to protect us from our boredom or our pain. But it is a confident, alert expectation that God will do as he said he will do. The reward of our patience and godly waiting is the promise of God's unfailing love and full redemption. And another very interesting feature of this psalm is that it starts with someone writing in a very individual way. Out of the depths, I cry to you, Lord. But it ends in a corporate way. Israel, put your hope in the Lord. The nation together, for in the Lord there is unfailing love. And actually, I think in this journey from despair to hope, there is also a journey from feeling that you're in isolation to feeling that you're part of a community of faith. And that makes a huge, huge difference. There's something very powerful about God's people moving together from despair to hope. This was a key passage in the conversion of John Wesley, the brother of Charles Wesley. In May 1738, he heard this psalm sung at Evensong in St. Paul's Cathedral. And then later that day, went to hear someone reading the introduction of Luke's, Luther's commentary on the book of Romans. And these two events together, listening to the psalm being sung, out of the depths I cry to you, Lord, and then hearing someone read Luther's interpretation of Romans. It's those two things that reformed this remarkable change for John Wesley from being someone who had a religious understanding within a tradition of the high church of England to someone who really discovered Christ and forgiveness in his heart and became such a powerful and influential preacher. It was not long after this that his brother wrote the amazing hymn, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise. Because here was someone who had come from despair to hope. Because they knew that God hears, that God forgives, that God comes, and God redeems. And in his redemption, God will bring the fullness of life to all of us who trust in him. So it's an exciting journey. And uh, as I just imagine a little bit, perhaps what it was like for the pilgrims who were making their way up to Jerusalem, some of them probably experiencing difficult personal circumstances, but getting caught up in the crowd and joining the company and ascending into the temple courtyard, singing and praising and trusting together. That's the kind of journey that I believe we all need to take. We need to come out of that place of despair and together know that God hears our cries. He forgives our sins. 
He comes to us as we wait upon him and brings that fullness of redemption so that our life is truly fulfilled in his hands. There's a prayer that Jonathan Aitken prayed as he reflected on this psalm after his time in prison. He prayed, O Lord, hear my prayer for mercy and help me to climb out of my depths. Guide me so that I may learn how to surrender my will to yours. Show me how to accept your offer of forgiveness. Teach me how to bear my time in the depths with patience and with hope in your word. In your mercy, grant me the great blessings of your unfailing love and full redemption.